0: voice of the vegas golden knights and you're listening
1: to the tomahawk roundup all right so what is going on guys this is frank zaroski here with the tomahawk roundup and i am joined by the voice of the vegas golden knights dave gosher dave how are you today hey good frank how are you really excited to have you on you know just uh vegas is doing a lot of great things in the free agency game making blockbuster trades and it's exciting to see how they've evolved since their inception yeah
0: Incredible story, Frank. Over four years, and I've been—I feel fortunate to be a part of it. You know, they've had incredible success. Um, obviously, right off the bat, you know, the greatest expansion season in the history of sports, going to the, the Stanley Cup final in year one, and they've. I think that really accelerated the process for them. You know, they've been a contender every year since. You know, they've gone to the Final Four in two of the three years since then. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been an incredible ride to be a part of. The expectation level for them has, you know, really grown with each passing year. And uh, needless to say, they've had a, an interesting offseason already this year, but... You know, the bar for them is real high, and I think it was all, you know, set in motion by what they
1: did in year one out here. Yeah, year one, but going back before year one, Dave, you know, to your time with the Boston Bruins, your line in Game 7 of the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals, when talking about the Bruins' victory, get the duck boats ready, get the duck boats ready, has become synonymous with that championship and Boston sports as a whole. Where did that line come from, and how have you seen its evolution over the years? Well, it's funny, Frank, I mean, I, I gave it, a, you know, I, I wish I could tell you I thought about it for a long time, uh, I thought about it a little bit the morning of the
0: seventh game in Vancouver, um, you know, being, with that seventh game being out west, it was a five o'clock start, you know, Pacific time, so there weren't any morning skates, there really wasn't much to do, and I usually climb the walls in the hotel if I'm in there for too long, <laughs> so like, I, I kind of went out and... I sat out, had a coffee, and I kind of sat right where the Olympic cauldron had been lit in downtown Vancouver for the Olympic Games in 2010. I just kind of sat outside. It was a beautiful morning, and you know, I just started to think about all the other teams that had won championships. Right at that point, now if you go back to that that uh, stage in in the game, I mean, the Bruins hadn't won in 39 years, but you'd seen the Red Sox win two World Series. The Patriots had won their first three Super Bowls. The Celtics had won a championship. So I just remember thinking, I'd watch all these other teams have their have their own parades. And, you know, getting on a duck boat is synonymous with winning a championship in Boston. So that was, I said, well, it'd be time for them to have their own duck boat parade was kind of what I thought about in my mind that morning. And then, uh, yeah, and that was kind of how it, like I said, it wasn't a long, uh, I don't think it was that deep a thought process. And I do kind of, I chuckle now because to your point, you know, it's, it's flattering that it kind of gets... Mention when teams win a, a championship now in Boston which they have won a lot quite obviously yeah. so uh, I, I just I, I, I kind of'm I'm, I'm flattered by it and I get a chuckle out of it that something that I thought about for maybe five minutes the morning of game seven is, has got a pretty good amount of mileage out of it.
1: and that's real and that's the that's the best kind of mileage phrase if you will you don't you're not putting too much into it you're not taking it too seriously you're just it's off the cuff as it seems in the broadcast
0: yeah I think so you know I'm not a fan honestly Frank uh, and I think you can tell and as broadcasters you can tell when when a guy or, or, or a girl has scripted out this is exactly what I'm you know like I, I don't I'm not a fan of that I mean I always go back to um, I think probably the greatest call of all time is Al Michaels do you believe in miracles mm-hmm. right well I, there's no way he would have ever given that a ton of thought because there was no way anyone ever thought the US was going to beat the Soviets so I, I think the more it's off-the-cuff, and it's, I don't know, more organic, Um, you know, I'm more of a fan of that, you know, look, I I think, I heard Doc Emmerich said this once, and if if Doc goes by it, then it's good enough for me, Yeah.
1: I I think you, you should give it a little bit of thought, you don't want to
0: you know, leave yourself, especially if, if you know what team's going to win a championship and, and it's obvious that they're going to win. And, and, you know, for the Bruins that night, they were, you know, they wanted 4 nothing, They wanted going away. Mm-hmm. If you have time to think about a little something, that's fine. But I don't think, I, I, I think to overthink it, uh, I'm not a fan of it. I think the more off the cuff and the more organic,
1: the better. Yeah, that's that's how I do my style. A little bit of that, a little bit of the preparation. I think Doc Emmerich summed it up perfectly to you. You think about it a little bit, but don't overthink it. Well, I try to, and I think now that I, now that I think about it, Frank, I
0: think it was Vince Scully that told Doc Emmerich that. So if those two guys, if it oh, yeah. those
1: two guys, then uh for a guy like me,
0: that's that's more than uh more than
1: stage advice to say the least. Yeah, so sticking with your Bruins uh days, you know, the game seven comeback against the Leafs in twenty thirteen, we've heard about it from the television lens of perspective. Could you give us the radio side of things and how it unfolded from your point of view?
0: Well, I'll tell you it was uh You know, when I think about that series, a lot of times what gets lost in the shuffle is that the Bruins had a three-games-to-one lead in that series. Yeah, lost Game 5 in Boston and lost Game 6 in Toronto. And that was the lockout-shortened year of of 2012-13. So, Game 6 and 7 were played on back-to-back days. So, um, you know, I remember flying right back to Boston uh, the morning of Game 7. You know, and then uh, that game unfolded and they were down they get down four to one with about 11 and a half minutes left. And I, you know, I just remember friends of mine texting me, you know, and saying, oh, this sucks. And uh, do you want to play golf tomorrow? And I was, I was getting more annoyed with each text I got from, you know, friends and so forth. So I kind of put my phone away and all of a sudden it got to, I think it got to four to two. Uh, Nathan Horton made it four to two.
1: Mm And then Milan Lucic made it four to three. And then. I think once it got to four to three with a
0: minute twenty left or right around there, um, then you started to think, well, maybe they could they could at least tie this game up, um, and they did. You know, Patrice Bergeron tied it, and then I did have a. I will say this, Frank. I did have a fleeting thought between the third period and overtime that look they could still lose this game. Yeah, you know, they hadn't won anything yet.
1: because yeah.
0: uh, that team that year, Chloe Julian had called them a Jekyll and Hyde team. And I think I said after Bergeron tied it that it's a good thing Dr. Jekyll showed up because they were on their way out, you know. And, and I think they were on their way out, and Claude Julian might have been on his way out at that time. There was a lot of rumor that, you know, they might make a change if they didn't get past the first round. And, um, but obviously then, uh, you know, Patrice Bergeron won the game, and I, I I always joke around. I was yelling his name like a banshee. You know, I, was, I couldn't... Uh, I was just, uh, you know, the fact I was, I was just so shocked that they were able to come back and win the game like that. And you know, Bergeron's one of my all-time favorites. You know, I've known him since he came into the league as a, as an 18-year-old uh, back in 2003. So, yeah, I think that's that's kind of the opposite experience, I would say, Frank, of of them winning the Stanley Cup. Just from a, you know, it was obviously we were going to win that night once they kind of built a three-nothing lead and, and eventually won it four-nothing. That that was a much different animal compared to. You know, you see them come back the way they did. Literally, you know, the building, I would say, I don't know if it was half empty, but I would say a third of the people left the game. And I'm sure they were trying to do U-turns in their cars when all of a sudden they heard that they were coming back and, uh, you know, eventually came back to win it. So it was... uh, Yeah, that was, that's one you'll, uh, you know, for me anyways, I'll never forget just kind of to be a part of this, that amazing roller
1: coaster ride that night. Yeah, I remember seeing the NBC Sports documentary, I was there about that game, and they used your call, they used Jack's call, and it was really, it was really a spectacular night. I mean, like you said about the U-turn, because people were, they interviewed just regular fans at that game, and literally they were turning around, you know, maybe we should stick around for this, and I think that separates like the the diehards from like the Fairweather fans in a sense.
0: It's a good lesson, right? It, you know, and everyone does what they want, but especially in a game seven of a playoff. I, I don't I don't know if I would be leaving it prematurely, you know, no. I mean if uh that that game that night and uh yeah, and I think that you know, that spurred on that team too to uh you know, to to much, you know, bigger things. They you know, they, they beat the Rangers in five the next round, they swept Pittsburgh in the next round and to set up uh, you know, what was a, what a great final between uh between the Brewers and the Chicago Blackhawks. So yeah, it's, uh, you don't see that that often in games of that magnitude, Frank. But, you know, in a seventh game of big comebacks like that from three goal deficits with, you know, 11 minutes left. But, you know, unfortunately from the Bruins' standpoint, it's uh, – you know, it was a, really a comeback for the ages for them and, and led them on to uh, a heck of a run to,
1: into the cup final eventually. Yeah, so, Todd, uh, keeping with your time in Boston, you know, you got you worked for years with one of my mentors, Jack Edwards, during your time in Boston. I mean, I want to know from a co- uh, colleague perspective, what is he like to work with from a friend and a fellow broadcaster? I'm not very fond of Jack, so I'm not, no, <laughs>
0: no, I, uh, no Jack and I have been good friends for a long time. and Chatting next to each other on every bus ride and every flight for a decade. So, uh, no, I, I, you know, he's, he's, been, uh, he's been a great confidant over the years. Um, there's always a lot going on between his ears. What he's reading, what he's writing, what he's, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's an interesting, interesting guy. You know, he's, he's a love, he loves history like I do. So we would always, you know, we would chat a lot about uh, whatever he might be reading or whatever I was reading. Um, you know, I, I think, Frank, we, you know, he's, his passion comes through. I mean, if you're a Bruins fan, right, you, you hear that every night, you know? And I think that, um, the passion that he calls the games with is, uh, is second to none. You know, I remember when I was a kid growing up, there was a guy by the name of Johnny Most that did the Celtics games on radio that I grew up listening to. Um, and Johnny was, everything was kind of tinted in the Celtics green, you know, everything. <laughs> You know, I don't know if Jack, Jack's not to Johnny's extent, but he loves the Bruins, he's passionate about the Bruins, he's passionate about the game, and uh, as I say, it's, uh, you know, look, if you're a fan of another team, that might not be your cup of tea, but that's fine. I mean, that's not Jack's audience.
1: Jack's audience is Boston and New England
0: that he's playing to, and, uh and as i say his, his passion comes through every
1: night and that's and that's one of the things i was taught from a variety of broadcasters you know kya know your audience and if you're doing if you're if you're in jack's position where you're doing uh, new england sports network it doesn't really matter what the opposition thinks like you said it's to boston sports fans people with
0: Jack and I, I think he would even admit this like people either you know and maybe it's with a lot of broadcasters either people like how you do the games or they don't like how you do the games you know well that's that's fine but at the end of the day it's how does your fan base feel about how you do the games exactly. and how do the people you work for feel about how you do the games so yeah I think that uh you know when Jack's fat look his I remember you know First, kind of seeing Jack, and you know, I remember back in the days when he was on channels five and seven as a sportscaster in Boston as an anchor. And then, obviously, all those years at ESPN. So, you know, I was pretty familiar just with his, his body of work, obviously, over the years, long before he came uh, to do the games with the Bruins. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, like I say, we've, we we were, you know, great friends and my – well, we spent 10 years together, kind of the overlap, 10 years of, uh, you know, travel and uh, and just a lot of good times. And, you know, his, I always enjoy his company. You know, I always kind of – that's how I always gauge, a, you know, a lot of, you know, my, my time with people is, you know, is it worth, you know, the, the time you spend with them is always time well spent. And with uh, Jack, it always is.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, uh, you're, you're speaking the same language as me on that one with Jack. So uh, on your journey to Sin City in 2017, you went from the East Coast to the West Coast. I guess from uh, your point of view, you know, what was the transition like going from the, the East Coast to the semi-West Coast?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a significant change, Frank. I mean, I look, I had grown up in Rhode Island and um, had worked, you know, basically in New England, uh, with the exception of a couple of years where I started my career in the East Coast League in West Virginia. I was in Providence and then in Boston and went to Boston University. So I spent, you know, 21 years of my life in Boston. Um, but I was the adjustment was was pretty easy to be honest with you, Frank. I, I think uh, a lot of things played into that. Um, it was a rejuvenating thing for me you know i had done a lot of radio and i, I still love radio and still do uh, a little bit, bit of it on the side but i kind of felt like i wanted to try and do something different and tv had been floating around in my mind for a while so when this became an opportunity it literally was too good to pass up and it really kind of re energized everything i do professionally um and you know the team has been just off the charts popular. Um, you can't go five minutes out here in, in Vegas without seeing a Golden Knights hat, T-shirt, bumper sticker, license plate, whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, it didn't it didn't take long to feel to feel at home here. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they, we had I was only out here a couple of weeks, and they had those the horrendous shootings at Mandalay Bay. Yeah. Um, so I think, albeit for a, a horrible reason, uh, that probably accelerated. The bond between the team and the valley, because the team was very much out of the forefront of just trying to visit with you know victims, families, or you know survivors or first responders. Um, whatever it might be and I think that and that was before the Golden Knights had ever played a game that shooting happened four days before they'd ever played a game so uh, I think that bond will, will probably my guess is will never be broken but for me the move is, has been awesome uh, I love living out west I, I you know I like to get back east from time to time which I'm able to do but uh, the quality of life out here the, you know the the weather it's and, and, and the success of the team and the you know the 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 enjoyment I get out of you know doing TV and you know working with Shane Knighty on our on our telecast is uh, you know we have a blast every night and that's you know that's really what it's all about.
1: Yeah, and when you're talking about that one October shooting, you know, obviously it was a terrible event, but like you said, you know, you found they found something to it brought them together through the worst of times, and I think that's why the city is so close to the knights is because they 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 cemented themselves in the community you know I tell this story when I uh, to everyone but I'll I'll bring it up on the broadcast with you Dave you know I actually started my broadcasting career doing coverage on that game for my high school radio station because I had long story short I had been knocked out of my sport of choice and had a quarter-life crisis, and I was like, you know, I need to, I need to start covering hockey, and that was the game. I went downstairs at eleven o'clock at night, watched the ceremony, started bawling my eyes out, and I started taking notes. So that 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 game really had an impact on so many people. Yeah, you know, and I think that uh, you
0: know one of the things I remember about that time frame too was I had lived through uh, the Boston Marathon bombings in 2013. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I. Bruins were still, you know, that was the whole year, the the comeback in game seven, but the the bombings were, you know, Patriots day, so probably a month before that seventh game against Toronto, and I just remember, you know, thinking that back then, sports could kind of help, you know, like, even if the rest of your day is not good, well, maybe for a couple of hours at night, you could listen to a game, or watch a game, and Away the pain but just kind of be a bit of a diversion right just for a little bit you know and I think that um, I I think I I remember thinking that in Boston back in 2013 and and when this happened out here in in October of 2017 it was kind of the same thing and I think we even said that uh, on our first broadcast it was only we opened the team opened on the road we had games in Dallas and in uh, Arizona and uh, so for that first game in Dallas I think I even said something along the lines of hopefully we can just you know, be a bit of a release. You know, for a couple of hours a night, and and you know, you can maybe find a little bit of enjoyment in, in watching us and watching the team. And uh, yeah, in that game that night, you know, the home opener, which was um, you know a few days later, and Derek England gave his his speech, which was unbelievable, and especially for Derek, who's a terrific guy. He's not, but look, it, that he's not. Most athletes aren't cut out for that. You know, they're cut out to play their sport, not making an emotional speech like that right. in kind front of. You know, 18,000 people and, and 18,000 people and, and a whole community that's just grieving. And he uh, mm-hmm. was fantastic. And, you know, the Golden Knights, uh, I don't think, you know, the outcome of the game, I, I don't think anyone really cared whether they won or lost that night, but I will tell you, I don't think there was any chance they were going to lose. You yeah. know, they scored right off the bat. England scored a goal early and they they won the game going away. But more than anything, I think it was, a, it was just a nice step forward for the community to be able to, certainly not move on at all, but just to kind of try to heal a little bit. Uh, And I know for so many people that, you know, that healing continues and might never be completed, but I do think that sports can serve as a little bit of a, of a, of a healer, uh, especially when you go through, you know, horrible incidents
1: like, you know, the ones we are talking about. Yeah, it certainly does. It certainly, like you said, it doesn't take away the pain, but I like that we're diverting the pain away for a couple of hours, and that, that really hits the nail on the head, Dave.
0: Yeah, and I think that's all you can hope for, Frank. Look, I, I, unfortunately, I think we live in a time right now where, you know, as we take this, it's a Saturday, you probably couldn't get 10 people to agree today is Saturday, you know, but, they can, you know, out here, they love the Golden Knights. Um, and I, I think it is a social, it's a social gathering place for people. You know, like most sports, but I think that especially the world we've lived in here over the last 16, 17 months where people could not go to games and they couldn't gather, uh, you know, and I think you realize how much how much we all miss that. Um, but out here, it's, a, it's just like it's... Uh, you know, I think people look at it as it's you know, all right, there's a Golden Knights game tonight, there's a Golden Knights game, uh, you know, on Thursday, there's one on whatever it might be, and they, it just becomes such a part of their, you know, of their their life that you know, for the most part, is enjoyable. Look, it is a business, and it's you know, we've kind of gone through this here in Vegas over the last little while with trading Mark Andre Fleury out to Chicago. Um, it's been, you know, it's a roller coaster ride, but at the end of the day. Um, it is a diversion, it is supposed to be fun, it is sports, it's supposed to be a release from the real world and, and at its best it's able to kind of deliver all of those things. Hi, my name is
1: Maya. Yeah, no, that I, I completely I completely hear that. And when you're when you're talking about those kind of things, you know, speaking of Chicago, you know, Vegas has a huge connection to Chicago, having the Wolves be the farm team for the first couple seasons, you know. We've seen so many Vegas prospects come up through the Wolves, you know, Keegan Colasar, Zach Whitecloud, Nick Hague, Cody Glass, who uh, now I believe is with Nashville, I mean, what what if the players that the fans have watched in Chicago, how have they impacted the Vegas Golden Knights?
0: Well, significant, Frank, you know, you think of the ones you mentioned, Zach Whitecloud, Keegan Colasar, Dylan Coughlin, Nick Hague, Cody Glass, um... They've all had impacts. You know, as you mentioned, Cody got, you know, recently got moved here in a, a three team deal with uh, between the Golden Knights, Philadelphia, and Nashville. Uh, you know, and he, I think he will probably benefit from a change of scenery, but still a real good young player, I think, with, with a bright future ahead of him. But I, I think that, you know, now the now the Golden Knights have moved their their AHL team is out here in the valley. It's in Henderson. So, you know, they're literally oh like fifteen minutes, ten minutes yeah. from T Mobile Arena, so um where I think the setup is terrific where, you know, if you're a Golden Knights management, coaching staff, whatever the case might be, and Vegas is playing on a on a Saturday at T-Mobile Arena, but the, you know, the, the Silver Knights, the Anderson Silver Knights are playing on a, you know, Friday night home game. Um, you know, you can you can, you know, be right there and and see your, your young prospects. So no, they've had, you know, they, especially guys like Haig and, and White Cloud uh, have had significant, uh, you know, significant impacts on this team over the last few years. And, uh, you know, you have to hope that continues, Frank. I think the, I say the lifeblood of your team is drafting and developing and also being able to build through your farm system. And, um, you know, the Golden Knights are trying to do that here with uh, you know with some good young players. Now they they traded away some of their former high picks. You know, so they had three first round picks in 2017 that they're, they're all gone. They traded Cody Glass recently. They traded Nick Suzuki in the Max Pacioretty deal, right. and they moved Eric Branstrom in the Mark Stone trade a couple of years ago. So it doesn't mean all your high picks are going to play for your team if you if you parlay those guys into. Established NHL players you think can help you right now, sometimes that's the route you take. So, but anyway, long way of saying. Um, all those guys that, you know, that Chicago Wolves fans would have seen go to the Calder Cup Final a couple of years ago. Um, they've all gone on to, you know, at different levels, but they've all gone on to have, have good impacts in the NHL, and, and I, I think we'll
1: continue to do so. Yeah, I remember covering those guys. You know, I remember talking to Cody while he was still with the Wolves before he got moved up to Vegas and then shipped to Nashville. You know, those guys, those guys had that fire for Vegas. You know, they knew... They're going to the Bright Whites city gonna set my soul on fire to quote Elvis Presley. Um, they're going to Vegas. And I think that that motivated a lot of those guys to just keep grinding away at their game in the minors in Chicago. Yeah, and I
0: think too Frank, to your point, look, if you are a young player in the Golden Knights organization, um, and be it when they were you know, when the Wolves were the affiliate and now the Henderson Silver Knights are the affiliate, and you see especially the games at T-Mobile Arena, right? It's Every night is a show. It's an event, and why wouldn't it be? You know, you're in the entertainment capital of the world, right. um, and I've got to believe that that is a motivating factor and a driving force for a lot of these young kids. Yes, sir. A yes, you want to play in the best league in the world and get to the NHL, but if, if half of your games every year are going to be at T-Mobile Arena and be in that atmosphere, um, I've got to believe that would be an even bigger motivating force to to make it to the NHL. Um, there's no atmosphere like it in the league. You know, I've been uh, in the league here for a good many years, and there's other good atmospheres, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, uh, you know, my days I was in Boston 17 years, and the, and the Garden at its best is terrific. Um, you know, the Bell Center in Montreal, uh, Nashville does a great job. There's other buildings, but... There's nothing like, you know, what the Golden Knights do out here on a, on a night-to-night basis to make it, uh, you know, to make it a show, but that's all great. The show and everything's great, Frank, but if, if the team isn't very good,
1: then the it show doesn't, matter. doesn't seem to matter as much, right? right. Know, so they've been fortunate that for four straight years,
0: um, they've been, you know, legitimate contenders. Uh, you know, when you're playing in the Final Four of now 32 teams, then you've got a legitimate chance to, to win a Stanley cup. And obviously that's, you know, that's been the kind of the elusive thing for them. But I, I try to keep in mind that it's only been four years. I mean, right. there's other franchises that have been around a lot longer than the Golden Knights that have, that have never won it. So, or, you know, have never come close to winning it. So, um, you know, big picture, 30,000 feet above, they've, They've done a a lot of good
1: here in a a, a short period of time. Yes, they have. And I I want to move on to what you'd like to do, Dave. You know, we know your voice on AT&T Sportsnet. We know what you've done on the Sports Hub in Boston. But I guess I want to know a little more about you. You know, what do you like to do away from the mic? Who is Dave Gosher when he's not on the microphone, on the telecast? Well, uh, what do I do? I like to stay in some relative shape,
0: Frank. I try to, you know, get some workouts in. I think the pandemic kind of... Yeah, well, you couldn't do anything. I, 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 I tried to, coming out of that, I changed a lot of what I do and what I eat and, you know, try to kind of take care of myself physically. Uh, I love to play the guitar. I think I'm probably average at best at it. Uh, but I recently, I got together with some guys out here and I'm in, a, I'm in a band. We Believe it or not, we call ourselves double minor, as in a double minor in hockey. Yeah. So, uh, we. Uh, the other four guys are really good which is which is awesome because I'm I'm average at best so we've got uh, you know basically a cover band and we're actually going to play a gig coming up here at a place called the Space in Vegas uh, August 18th so uh, I love to play music. Uh, as I say, I'm, I'm decent at it, but uh, I just love it. You know, I've always been a huge lover of music, and, uh, you know, so that's, that's a great release for me. I mean, out here, we're, we're blessed with great weather pretty much year-round, so I love to get out and play some golf. So uh, I love to be able to get back, uh, you know, get get to the ocean, whether it's on the East Coast or the West Coast, um, as much as I can. But, so I think that's probably all in the mix of... Uh, of things that I like to do when, uh, you know, when
1: I'm not sitting up there yapping about hockey games. Yeah, I, and, and, that, and that's what I like to do on this show, Dave. You know, I like to talk about the human factor because, you know, I, I always bring it back to my year one sports management class. We were talking about, you know, the dehumanization of players on fantasy football, seeing people as like assets, not just players. And I like to talk about that with with people, broadcasters included, because, you know, people see them as a voice. They don't see them as a person. And I, and I think that's important when we talk Talk about that human factor behind whatever your occupation you're doing. Yeah, well, you know, I, you know honestly, Frank,
0: I mean, I love what I do, but, it, you know, and I, I wouldn't want any other job. And, and you know, Shane 90 and I always joke around out here in Vegas. We're not really cut out to do much else. You know, that's probably true. You know, but I uh, I love what I do, but it is only a a small part of my life. Right. It's right. It doesn't you know, it's what I do for a living isn't all about what I'm about. So, uh, you know, I, I like to have some varying interests. I mentioned earlier I'm a big history buff. I'm a big uh, JFK buff, obviously, growing up in New England and spending so much time in Boston. So I, mm-hmm. I've read a lot about him over the years, but I'm a history buff in general. Uh, I read, a, I think David McCullough is a national treasure. I read a great book. Uh, he, he's written so many of them. But uh, during the pandemic about the, the Wright brothers and how they were able to kind of, master the uh, the mystery of, of flight back uh back in the uh you know the early nineteen hundreds. So uh, yeah, there's plenty that I there's plenty that I love to do away from you know, my job. I love to travel when we're able to kind of do it uh you know safely here in this world we're living in. But yeah, there's there's uh but, you know, again, I'm I'm real dedicated to what I do and I spend a lot of time doing it, but when I'm not doing it I like to do a lot of other different things
1: as well. Keep up the varying interest, Dave Gosher, voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. Before we head out, is there anything else you want to add for our listeners around the US, Canada and beyond?
0: No, I think, you know, the biggest thing Frank is that I've enjoyed being on with you and I hope that uh, I hope that beyond words we can try, you know, safely to to get back to where we used to be, you know. I know it's been a brutal 16-17 months and uh, it's been great to see, you know, crowds back in the NHL. Hopefully that will continue to to move forward here, as we as we get into a, you know the NHL season, still a few months away, but hopefully we're able to take some good steps, better steps, uh, more important steps forward as a society to get to where we need to be, where you know we can get back to you know enjoying and loving these games like we we always have, which is with you know capacity crowds and you know the passion of, of hockey fans is second to none. So hopefully
1: we're uh, we're on the right road to getting back to that. The road back to normalcy. Dave Gosher, voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. Thank you so much for the time. All right, Frank. Good to be with you. Take care.